you for listening to the latest episode of BAM. That's BAM Weekly, the show where we talk about sports, we talk about entertainment, and then we combine it all to talk some sports entertainment. We're your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. It's kind of a warmish kind of day, not too bad, like five, six degrees in Toronto. Uh, like we said, it's going to be a rainy spring, Boris. Uh, April showers bring Mayflowers. You know what Mayflowers bring, big homie? Well, well, well what does Mayflowers bring? Pilgrims. <laughs> Boom. Dad joke to start the podcast. Here we go. Here we go, buddy. Wow. Just wow. <laughs> that, that completely took me for a loop. I'm not used to this. Why, why, why are you dropping the horrible jokes? Yeah, I know. That's usually your domain to drop the dad jokes. But yeah, yep. no, as you can tell, I'm fired up. I'm energized. And we got a special guest this week, buddy. Yeah, we do. On the line, chatting all things sports. One of my best friends. The uh, He used to be not only one of my best friends, still is-ish, depends on the day. My vice president, when I was president of the Red Patch Boys supporter group for Toronto FC, He's also my co-host for the It's Canon podcast. He's also my 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 partner in when I when you know when I need someone to vent to, and that's Phil. It's the P Bam show. <laughs> yes. Yep, it's Bam. the P Bam show. You had finger bangs, but now you got P Bam. Oh my god. Oh. That wasn't a swear. Come on. No. It, was, it wasn't a swear. He didn't say the F word. That's true. Well, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna kick us off because, guys, I'm in a fantastic mood. I'm in a fucking great mood. So much so, I'm gonna have some water while we record. There you well, go. <laughs> why can't be like this on the It's Cannon podcast? We always get grumpy, Boris. Because <laughs> it's Monday. Can what water. do you expect on Monday? That's, oh, that's too funny. All right, so it's a new day. Typically. Well, it depends when you listen to it, but if you listen to us when the episodes drop, you probably listen to us on Thursday evenings. Well, no moss. It's Friday. Friday is our new day. We're giving, for listeners from SNME Radio, we're giving the, you the old Fs on Thursday because you know what? Dynamite's a lot more important than anything else in wrestling right now, so we want uh, our listeners to get their dynamite, dynamite in as soon as possible and here we are we're going to be talking sports we're going to be talking a lot of stuff so the reason why i brought phil today is because the first thing i wanted to talk about was some mls but before we go there matt how are you oh i'm good buddy thank you for asking yeah i was asleep 25 minutes ago so i'm just gathering my bearings took a little nap kind of got out of hand but i think i've uh, i've woken up and i'm back on track here how are you doing uh, today big homie Man, I told you I'm doing freaking great. I'm doing yeah, I'm true, honestly yeah. in an amazing mood. Amazing mood. You're fired up. I'm, oh, I'm fired. Oh, you have no idea how fired up I am. <laughs> I slept. I oh, had wow, an easy yeah. day of work. Nice. I did a lot of side hustle work, even made you a new logo, which you didn't even acknowledge, you son I'm of a sorry. bitch. <laughs> it was the first thing I saw when I woke up. It is very nice. I do like it. Uh Phil, how are you doing today, buddy? Uh, I was telling Boris, man, I was just saying, I was sitting there eating some Burger Priest. Nice. And normally I eat just a regular old double, you know, a double cheeseburger. Okay. But I ordered the High Priest. I decided, you know what, I got to go for a signature dish because I'm trying <laughs> to live as much like a teenager as I can. <laughs> so 
I ordered this high priest thing and here I am. Boris is like texting me going, hey, we're on soon, right? Here's the link. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need five minutes because I just took a bite out of this high priest thing. And I think what they do is they put an onion ring on top to make it tall. So it's like high priest. Yeah, right. But inside of that, they square it full of like American cheese. Oh, my God. And it's like liquid. So then I had this thing just flopping out everywhere and i told <laughs> boris every orifice had cheese coming out of it on this burger and every one of my orifices is gonna have burger priest burger coming out of it soon <laughs> going to have high priest coming out of it there it is <laughs> yeah roman catholic i can make that joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're allowed yeah burgers priest is great classic toronto fucking uh i don't know staple i guess you'd say yeah, yeah and every time every time I have it, I'm like at a place and there's a food truck. So I'm like, okay, and I live in Newmarket, just north of your great city. And they're like, they finally have a burger priest. So I'm like, okay, I'm going for it. I want to try this thing out. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy that you live in Newmarket. We were talking earlier because the TFC is having their home opener this weekend and i had to ask phil whether he's coming the weather is going to be shit on saturday right tomorrow saturday uh, so it's going to be cold it's going to be windy it's going to be snowy it's going to be disgusting and the one thing i forgot to add to that list and i'm going to say it now fucking gas prices don't even don't even start <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's 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 already bad enough right you got to pay for parking down there and yeah. there's gas, and gas is going to be higher than parking for the first time. Yep. Yeah, yep. Ga gas was out of hand, like, all year, too, like, let alone before the war started, right? And that's not going to make it any better. So, oof, yeah, that's rough. Feel Definitely feel bad for those of us uh, out there who drive and have cars. Yeah, if you're like, you know, like Agnew, he, he has to drive from, from Etobicoke Pepsi all the way to Burlington. <laughs> like, it's, it's a, it's, that's a long drive. Well, the, the one good thing is, like, I'm still working from home, so I'm on my tank of winter gas still, and I'm like, hmm, two bars left, I better get gas, and then my father was telling me, he's like, gas is going up seven cents this weekend, and I go, well, I'll wait until it goes up so I don't have to wait in line at the pump, <laughs> screw it. <laughs> Gotta get I love that gas. logic, I love that logic. I hate That's, crowds. <laughs> That's hilarious. You're the only person on earth who gas is an investment for. You can just kind of just figure it out. I'm like, yeah. drive it up. Six bucks a liter. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, that rude, so much. ruthless. I love that so much. All right, let's get into things. Let's talk some soccer. We're going to talk some MLS. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. I love the MLS, and I hate the MLS all at once. So people are probably wondering what... Phil and I did with the Red Patch Boys and TFC. Uh, Phil, I'm going to let you try to answer this one because even it, it, those years of my life, honestly, if number one, feels like a lifetime ago or two lifetimes ago. Number two, such a fever dream. Such a fever dream. Some of the stuff that we did. And man, oh man, I think back to like how I handled stuff. And it's just like I literally talked back, told these executives of MLS to eat shit and eat a dick. Yeah. Almost it, literally it, sometimes. It, it, it got pretty <laughs> interesting, that's for sure. Um, I don't know. I don't have a recollection of working a full-time job that wasn't that job. Yeah. But apparently I maintained a career throughout that, which blows me away. But, yeah, we we, we ended up becoming a, in, a, an influential part of 
I guess, what Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment as a company were trying to pursue with their soccer program. And that being the crown jewel being Toronto FC. And we ended up getting into a lot of high level discussions. And I don't know, it was, it was, it's, it's, it's like a fever dream. You know, like I remember sitting there buying season tickets on day one when they went on sale and they couldn't even tell me how much they were. They were just like, all you need to do is give us $25 and we'll tell you how much more you can give us later. And I'm just like, okay, this sounds like a scam, whatever. And I remember ordering a shirt from MLS and it was most obviously a person working in a call center out of their living room and like in some weird state somewhere with an accent. And I'm just like, okay, so how much is this shirt going to cost? And they're like, oh, it's going to cost you like $79.99 American plus the taxes plus the shipping plus of this plus of that. And I'm like, this sweater ended up costing me like 150 bucks to get yep. it. And I was yep. getting pretty cheesed off. And I remember saying to the girl, I'm like, you do realize the team, like the ownership of this team is bigger than your entire league. I remember flexing. On that, it was an improper flex to make, but I was just like, just really frustrated with how Ma and Pa, the whole league seemed to be at that point. Yep, we're talking two thousand six you know, right now, right? Like the yeah. league was just celebrating its tenth, eleventh year of existence at this point. Exactly, and here I was saying that, and I didn't know anything about Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment other than they own the Leafs and they own the Raptors, right? Like I didn't know anything. And here we got into it to such a degree that CEOs are asking us to attend dinners and that kind of stuff. Like the people that you're reading about in the newspaper, the, you know, the Tom, the Tim Lewickies and the different guys, you know, the Tom and Salmi. Look how much we fought with him. Over Larry the Tannenbaum. Larry you know, Tannenbaum. I still have his, his number on my phone, right? Like, like, like these are people that yeah. called us in because MLS was struggling. And Toronto, one thing is, I feel like MLS always had something against Toronto. Toronto FC yeah. debuted the same year that David Beckham went to LA Galaxy. And MLS was just pushing, 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 pushing David Beckham. They spent millions of dollars pushing Beckham. And Toronto FC became this massive hit. You know, all because yeah. of the grassroots, all because of the supporter groups, U Sector, Red Patch Boys, North End Elite, right? Like those three groups really made the experience what it was those first few years. But that first year, especially, it was TFC making the headlines, not David Beckham. So I always felt like the league had something against TFC. So, you know, the executives also were struggling with this. And, you know, as, as much as they wanted to love us, and, and, and be there for us, they also hated us at the same time. You know, it was like one of those things, like, you know, if, if, if you guys are getting too rowdy, you guys are becoming that, that horrible H-word, hooligans, right? You guys are doing X, Y, Z. But then they turn around, record it, and put everything that we do on their marketing material, right? Yep. And, and you know, part of that, too, it's funny because I got to in my decline in, in terms of how much work I was doing in this capacity. It obviously waned off to the point where I'm retired now, as well as Boris's. And I had the interaction with Tim Lewicki and he was the guy who inked the deal for David Beckham on the LA galaxy side. And he came to me and he said, you know what you guys did that I couldn't anticipate. 
And he's just like, you vehicleized drunk 18 to 35 year old males. He's like, once you guys traveled in the league, that changed everything for us. And he goes, I could never imagine in my wildest dreams that that was the key that the league needed. But he goes, David Beckham didn't mean anything in the ultimate scheme of it. You guys changed the entire league. Like Toronto FC, not a particular group, but it was a collective organic effort by everybody. Because we were all like, hey, what do they do in England? You know, like a lot of our members, a lot of the groups are populated by people who experience EPL games and fly over for a weekend just to go to a game. And they don't care where the game is because they're in continental UK. They can just go wherever, right? Get on a bus, go. And we started taking that approach. Like all the groups just started booking buses and saying, well, how much does it cost? Well, how much, how can we distribute that cost? How can we take a $5,000 charter and put 55 people on it? And guess what? The math ends up this and we can get hotel rooms and we can do this. There's an issue though. When you're doing this on mass, we're talking about at one point, Matt, we would order seven buses just for one group. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a, that's a lot of people, man. That's crazy. So much so that Tico, an organization here in Ontario that 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 kind of governs travel and travel agencies took us like they were ready to take us to court because they said <laughs> that we were running a quote unquote illegal travel agency. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Also crazy just because of the sheer volume of people who you were yep. moving around cheaply like that. Eh? Yep. Wow. And because oh, yeah. of the money that we were moving in and out of bank accounts, banks were frozen. Our personal bank accounts are frozen uh, because huh, yeah. of issues and, and not issues, just meetings that we had because we wanted to make sure that we were good. We, we Phil and I would often go to Toronto Police Services, TPS, here in Toronto, and, and, and literally, it was like a scene out of The Sopranos where they had pictures of us and they knew who we were because they legit thought that we were like, you know, running some, some, some mob organization. <laughs> I kid you, you not. You were pushing that weight for us? I kid you not. It, it's not a joke. I got tracked down in Montreal by an FBI agent in a bar yep. that I didn't even know I was going to be in. And this guy tracked me down the only English speaking bar in Montreal. I guess he had a good guess. <laughs> he tracked me down and I'm like, who are you? And how did you find me? And he's just, that's not important. I work for Homeland security and we, we want to talk to you. And I'm just like, Oh, you can talk to the team. I don't want to talk to yep. you. <laughs> the amount of times that the team like, handled stuff for us because of homeland security like it, it's crazy like you know the the supporter lifestyle and where because all of this was new to north america right like you never saw anything like this and and the mls and and supporter groups after us and some before just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger so a lot of organizations just did not know how to handle this right so they were scared shitless like what are these people doing is this like some new some new way of laundering money like what's going on right so it, it, this is what i mean but it was a fever dream and it just physically mentally just took everything just everything from me yeah no doubt there's lots lots of moving parts there lots to worry about plus the whole time you were also smuggling cocaine so there's that no just kidding for anyone listening that is a joke legally let's establish that sorry please continue with your story oh my god i love it i don't know Um, how we recover from that one no but all that time we were probably drunk though 
Like I, I will say, um, <laughs> as you got to take understand, a huge sip of beer. <laughs> yeah, as Boris chose chugs some more Corona. Um, it, it's one of those things where we're enjoying the lifestyle as well, right? Like the thing is, is that anything that we achieved, to be honest and and real for a moment, is anything that we achieved with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment or the league in general was due to our members and due to the South end and due to the whole stadium, every Toronto FC supporter, because a lot of the times we fought Maple Leaf sports and entertainment on ticket prices. That was some of the big battles that were going on. That was some of the confrontation that was happening. And it was other seasons, ticket members banding together with all of us and making their voices heard. And, and, it's a lot to manage because you've got accountabilities to those people too, because they now have expectations yeah. and we, we fought to keep that in check and it stayed like that until 2017 when we won the cup, because the deal, I didn't, re- I didn't agree to it. Boris didn't agree to it, but other groups did agree and it kind of became not other groups, but somewhere along the line, it got agreed upon that, when they win a cup, all bets are off. And sure enough, like every year, my season ticket price, instead of going up a modest, you know, cost of living 5%, all of a sudden goes up 63% one year. Yeah. Right. So it, it's kind of crazy. It was, a, it was a great time while we were paying $200 for the entire year's tickets. <laughs> to be honest, we're still not paying much. What are we paying? Just under no. three sixty, four hundred bucks for one seat. Uh, due to COVID, I'm happy to announce yes that I did not go to any games, and Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment treated me rather fairly about that due to the health concerns, and they kept my money in their account. They asked if they could keep my money, and I said yes, please take my money, keep it. They came back to me this year and they said, you know what you owe us for this year's ticket? $50. Yep. <laughs> nice. And I'm on the payment plan. So it's payments of $5 each month. <laughs> yep. It's so funny. It's so funny. But yeah, so oh. like, honestly, like the, the this league is something else. This this American MLS league, I don't even know what it is. And it's, it's improving, right? Like it's never going to be in the caliber of the mm. premiership. It's never going to be caliber of La Liga. I think that that's a realistic approach to this league but what i've always said and this is what mls is turning into it's turning into the top tier north not even north american american league north american south american we we're now in a position matt where a lot of south american players mexican players in their prime want to play for the u.s in the u.s because it's a it's a steady paycheck and the league is just getting better and better and better. So we're getting top-tier players from South America, Central America, Mexico, playing here in MLS. So obviously this is going to improve the overall play of MLS. So little by little, it is getting better. Yeah, it's come a long way, too. Like you were saying, like when you started the, the Red Patch Boys in, what was it, 2006 or whatever? Look how yep. far the league has come since then, right? So, yep. yeah, man. Definitely. And there are big market teams like a Toronto who can get a person like an Insigne in uh, when he comes in this summer. And yeah, you know what I mean? So there are stars that come in and out of the league, too. Yep, exactly. Like, yep. like exactly. Like the Beckhams, right? Like there's always going to be those 
quote unquote older players who want to retire here. And that's always going to happen. But as long as we get the youth in their prime, that's the key, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? We're becoming a much better developmental league. I think you're seeing almost every team, every new team, every existing team has developed a full-on academy, yeah. has developed training facilities, has plans, at least if they don't have them already, for that kind of thing. They have secondary teams in the USL or in their own independent leagues that are competing like Toronto FC 2. I think all of Toronto FC's academy teams have to compete in the age group above where they are. That's how they make the players better. They make them play harder yep. than any other teams. And so directly, this all means that we can go into that funnel and whatnot. But there's parity within the league. We've got the salary caps. We've got the restrictions. We've got the spots. There's not a lot of leeway that you find with other sports. Right? Yeah. So that means this time of year, everyone has optimism. <laughs> And One last don't. point before we get to the actual <laughs> league preview, and it's this. Because of all this, I don't know if you're noticing this. We talk about it on BAM, but the Canadian national team is on the brink of qualifying for the World Cup. The U.S. team is on the brink of qualifying for the, U for the World Cup. Mexico is struggling against the U.S. and Canada constantly because of the MLS and the development and the money behind getting players at a young age and developing them into professionals. Now, when you're young, it's like, I want to play for TFC. You know, that's the team that you strive to play for, TFC and Canada, not Europe, you know, not where your family is from. It's about TFC and Canada. And if that's, and, and at the end of the day, that's the whole point of the league. Yeah, because if you look back in, in the history of players, I, I was saying this to a friend the other night. I'm like, when I look at when I was, you know, paying so much attention to soccer in, in North America and so much attention to Canada and we were struggling as a team because I'm like, you know what? Every talented player, you got a guy like Owen Hargreaves, fantastic player, freaking talented. But where does he play in England? Because of the ancestral, you know, tie in that he could claim to play for England. But he didn't want to play for Canada because we were a bloody mess. There was nothing to strive towards. But every kid that comes up and sees that there's a future in soccer and then sees Canada's success, they go, I want to someday get to that level. And it's good for all the programs. Like that's that's what other countries benefit from when they invest in those sports, right? Yeah, hundred exactly. percent, hundred percent, and like especially when you have an athlete like with that the level of uh, Davies or something, even Jonathan mm -hmm. David. But there are a few in Canada who are really like you know a, a rising tide floats all boats, as they say, right? And yeah, the the Canadian soccer tide is rising. Um, so yeah, one, one, I was thinking maybe we can just like go through the odds of every That's, team for the MLS, and yeah. then I'll, I'll I'll just I'll just read them off, and you guys chime in, kind of thing. Right. Okay? So I have the list okay. here. So we're gonna go team by team. We're gonna talk about Caesar Sportsback odds. We're gonna talk about the team in general, and then we'll we'll kind of uh, weigh in on what we think. So let's start at the top. Atlanta United Caesar Sportsback is giving them plus two thousand odds to win the MLS Cup. Phil, what do you think? They have become a perennial dangerous team right so i think they, they've always got a shot they're they're competitive they're, they're the home matches are almost all going to be wins for them 
with the, how influential the crowd is. And they seem to have a manager that has them playing a style that they really like. Because I've, I've watched a bit of the recap on the weekend, and they're really loose and free and, and scoring. So, yeah, I think they're dangerous. Yep. All right, the next one is Austin FC. Caesars is giving them a plus 10,000 odd. 5-3-8 is giving them a less than 1% chance of winning the league. This is their second year in the league. What can you really say about Austin FC outside of their excellent home stadium? Yeah, and they scored a boatload of goals on the weekend. Yep. So I don't know. Those odds all of a sudden go out the window. Didn't they score five? Yep, so like I'm like, like mm, I don't know. They were a little bit dangerous last year. I I, I, I remember being very uncomfortable watching their games, thinking, hmm, because that team actually, even though last year was the first year, it was slated to be in the year before. And due to COVID, they they basically parked for a year. So yeah. that team's been building for a while because I've actually met some of their supporters and have some of their gear before they even had it out in the public. <laughs> yep, exactly. All right. I don't know. Parody League, I think that they might sneak into the playoffs. Yep. All right. Here's the new kids in the block, Charlotte FC, a higher odds than Austin at plus 6,600. Uh, 538 is still giving them less than 1%. I agree with that in the sense that they went out and spent a lot of money and then realized there's a salary cap. Yep. So usually when a team miscalculates the salary cap like that, thinking that there is a penalty that they can just pay off and get away from and they can't, that means they miscalculated out the gate. And I think that means that they're going to get screwed somewhere exactly. else. Look, they have the Polish striker, Carol uh, Switerski. When you pay one guy this just sheer amount of money, you, 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 where are you going to put other players? You still have to field 10 other players, right? They also paid $5 million tra- in a transfer fee, which doesn't count towards a salary cap, but you know the budget is tight for Charlotte. Yeah, they... You know, it could it could be a great gamble, but the thing is, is that you can score as many goals as you want if you don't have defense backing up your your team. If you yep. don't have a midfield that can close down play, you're going to be in trouble. Yep. I don't know enough about what they're fielding yet. Only time will tell. But a less than 1% chance at the cup, I don't disagree with. Yep. But that that teams need to have seasons. Right. Yep. Seasons build loyalty. So, you know, have at her. Glad they're in the league. Yep. Chicago Fire plus 10,000, 2% chance of winning the league. Chicago. What can you say? What can you say about <laughs> Chicago? They can't figure their shit out, right? Like, they, they, they put they so won much money. in the first season ever of the MLS. <laughs> of theirs. Of, of, they came in 98. They won as an expansion team, and they hold, oh, they're sorry. so proud of that. It's like, yeah. you do realize the league was three years old at this point. Anyone could have yeah. won that at that point. Yeah, and the rules were even different for the teams at that point. Like, yeah, so good. They they got a, they calculated it well once and then pulled off the dream. And then ever since then, they've kind of languished. I've never, ever truly perceived Chicago as a threat at being a Toronto Homer fan, right? Like, Going to Chicago, it's never easy to win away. But 
they've never really been positioned to have a thriving crowd or anything like that. I and mean, now they're in Soldier Field. It's just a big empty bucket for them. Yep. Well, considering that that their old stadium was in like what forty minutes outside of Chicago, this is something Fox that the league, bro. yeah, this is something that the league really, really hurt itself on, right? Like it's 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 crazy. Like Columbus is now succeeding and will succeed because of their new stadium. What's crazy about Chicago is everyone's putting money on their on this Shakiri transfer uh, from from Leon. Like they're really banking on him actually signing and coming midseason. Yeah, well. Apparently, Richie Larea wants out of Nottingham Forest already. Exactly. <laughs> I exactly. could see that happening reverse with this if it happens. <laughs> yep, exactly. I want to go back to Lyon. <laughs> all right. We're going to move on to Have you to been Brock- to Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> right. Chicago of all places. Um, FC Cincinnati, probably the most beautiful stadium in the league, but one of the worst teams in the leagues. Uh, they have a plus 10,000 odds of winning and a less than 1% chance. Oh, poor Nikki Hagland, the defender, the wayward defender who returned home and probably is the only guy trying to win something in Cincinnati. Well, they have a new manager this year, and I think they got spanked on the weekend. So I, I foresee another very tumultuous, challenging season for them. ESPN said it best. They say 2022 will be a success if Cincy doesn't finish dead last for a fourth straight yeah. season. Yes, I would agree with that. I concur. All right. But Col- those are fundamental issues that I have to fix. Colorado Rapids plus 1,800 and 3% chance of winning. And I'd pick Colorado as pulling an upset a little bit higher, but I agree. They tend to be a very forgettable team, but they did play under their their old assistant coach for TFC, Frazier, I believe. They did play a pretty good season last year and just got knocked out of the playoffs in an ugly round, right? So, but that's what they were picked as darlings. But if they don't have the the experience, and I think they're going to take a lot to learn from that, they've certainly shown that they can run a season. So, yeah, exactly. But that's the issue with Colorado. They can't win in the playoffs. All right, Columbus, a team near and dear to our heart, plus 3,300, 3% chance of winning. Fuck you, Columbus, number one. Go ahead, Joe. I'd rank them as higher than 3%. They won it not last year, the year before. It is Columbus. God hates Columbus. But it's, it's you know, I, I, I look at that. I think Bezvichenko is in there making some smart decisions. And I also think that really when you look at Columbus, like look at the job that they did on Vancouver, who was kind of like the West golden boy last year. And then you look at oh, hold this. on, hold on, Golden and, Boy. No, they're they're the team that went from last to mediocre to knocked out yeah, in the first round of the playoffs. But let's not say Golden Boy. Twenty-two games without like a very like you know twenty-two very successful games at the end of the year. They there was a lot of buzz around that team entering into things. Yeah, but right. that being said, this is this year is the first year we're actually going to test the middle of this league because last year we were all divisional play. This is the first year where we're crossing divisions again. So that's the first time Vancouver's played an Eastern team Yep. in two years. Yep. And they got spanked out of the park. Oh, it was embarrassing. Really it was absolutely embarrassing. Um, so now all these calculations as well. 
could be pure punk because of that. <laughs> <laughs> if I may interject for one of my two points during this entire conversation, <laughs> uh, you said that uh, God hates Columbus. Generally, I would agree, of course, uh, the city of Columbus for sure. But uh, he saved the crew. Didn't he? The crew has been saved. I think that's worth noting. Maybe that was Jesus and not God. I guess Jesus saved. Thank you for having me on this podcast. (laughs) That is a valuable contribution. Like I, I will say this, like Columbus is a challenging place to go. When you think of glory, like the USA as a Canadian, a guy who never traveled to the USA until soccer came along. All right. I've been to New York. I've been to Los Angeles. I've been to DC. I've been to uh, North, South Carolina. I've been all over the state, all over the states due to soccer. All right. I've been to Chicago. But when you go to Columbus, it's a new level of. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It's, it's tough. It's, beat for Columbus on the podcast. it's beautiful in the downtown. It's beautiful okay. in the downtown. And the people there are really nice because Boris and I had a symposium. And we had to go to meetings with the league and everything like that. And wouldn't you know it, the last group that we wanted to sit beside were the Columbus Crew supporters. But wouldn't you know it, we had the best time making jokes with them and ribbing them the whole night and them back to us. And I I thought after that, you know what, their fans deserve a break with me because they do have to go back to Columbus. (laughs) (laughs) Brett Hart said it best. If there's any town that you would put the enema in the USA, and it's Columbus. Moving on, DC United. They're at three thirty-three hundred at two percent. DC United, one of the one of the one of the, the, the like uh, pillars of the league, but they've been struggling here and there. Yeah, storied franchise. Um, exceptional when they're on, and ignorable when they're off. I don't know how much success they're going to have. It just seems to me. Even on the years that they do have success, I would write that team off on paper. Yep. So they're able, like, you know, except for when they had, like, one of my favorite players and Wayne Rooney on them, and we knocked them out. So (laughs) I'm just going to say, like, eh, I'm tired of them being a challenger, put it that way, because they've challenged for everything for so long. But winning's a habit, and that franchise has that, ability so it's a crapshoot who knows yep fc dallas plus 6600 three percent i i don't know if dallas is gonna have a great year look i really don't based on last week's game the referees gave dallas a point yes yes (laughs) the referees enforced a call skipped enforcing the call i i there was a mess on the field for that. I'm so impressed we walked out with a point against yep. Dallas, but they need to up their game, but it's early, right? I don't know that any teams really had a proper preseason right now. So they need to up their their game. I know that they've got a lot of threat in that lineup or they had it. And that the, the new player that they got from DC, the US national player, holy crap, does he ever look dangerous? Like Areola? I forget the guy's yep. name. Areola. Oh my God, he looks good. Yep. So they do this. They pull out these obscure players all the time and they have absolutely crazy attributes that they maximize to an insane level. Like it, it tends to be one of those teams. We've always had problems with Dallas, right? Like remember when Bob DeClerc fought the, the, the mascot there? Yep. I remember. <laughs> it was, 
it was just like we've always had crazy games there, and this was the first time we've gone in and and being able to walk out with a point. I like it is very few times we walk yeah, out. We with struggle. We struggle against them. All right, we're gonna move yeah. on to another team from Texas. That's the Houston Dynamo. They're big. Uh, so they're at plus ten thousand, under one percent. Their big move in the off season was their new DP from Libertad, uh, Sebastian Ferreira. This is year two under the new owner, Ted Siegel. They did bring, you know, they made a lot of front office changes. Uh, Pat Onstad is the GM, but here we are, a team that's completely rebuilding mm-hmm. from the bottom. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have a tough year, but that's that's rebuilding. We can relate. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. All right. Inter Miami club football plus thirty three hundred chance of winning, uh, less than a one percent chance of winning. <laughs> Honestly, I think I, I forget where I read this, but essentially <laughs> someone was saying that Beckham has created a brand with Inter Miami, not a soccer t- team. I was going to say they're just going to sell pink shirts <laughs> like it literally. It's like his wife designing a Land Rover. It's David Beckham designed a football team. And you know what? It looks really good. It talks about football but in a high-pitched voice. <laughs> Moving oh, on. we like our football. <laughs> exactly. All right, LAFC plus 900, 11% chance of winning. Honestly, Phil, to me, LAFC right now are the Toronto Maple Leafs of the MLS. You know, we said that Colorado can't win a, a, a playoff game. LAFC has had some of the best teams in MLS history. Under our boy now, Bob Bradley, but they can't do shit in the playoffs. I know, and that's the problem when you've got these great players. If they don't know how to react under pressure, you're going to struggle, right? Like, that's the problem. That's the curse. And on the counterpoint of that is when you get those character players who who can thrive in those situations, Toronto FC lost one of them to the New England Revolution. And that was in Josie Altidore, somebody who's chronically injured and frustrating as all heck to support. But man, does he ever reply to pressure under those games, right? Like he gets the goals, he gets it done. He takes care of business when it needs to be done. Everybody in that stadium knows when he feels like scoring. And I don't get that feeling with what LA Galaxy or what the LA uh, team, the LAFC has. Yep. You said it. Let's move on to TFC Junior. That's LA Galaxy. The reason why I call them TF Junior is because they're <laughs> essentially TFC from 2017 to 2019. They even brought in Delgado, Marky Delgado, this offseason. They have our old coach, our old players. Our old assistant coaches. Exactly. That's why I say TFC Junior. What do you think of their odds? Their odds are plus 1,600 hey. at 3%. They brought in Daniil Henry. They brought in... Okay, Eric Zavaleta. Who could have seen that coming? Right. It's the coach's nephew. <laughs> Nepotism in sports? Bah. And But the thing is, they're not getting any younger. That's the thing. It's like, we've got Victor Vasquez, and he's 40. He was injury prone in TFC, right? Yeah. The sunny yeah, LA sun isn't going to magically heal your broken body. He has moments of brilliance. He hooks up with Chicharito, and and I see, I see where the effort and the and the 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 attempt is, but.
but the thing is, is that he's not getting any younger and the league's not getting easier. So you got to move on LA. And I I think Greg is an excellent manager at managing egos. And I don't know that he's your most tactically sound manager, but that being said, he's got rings, he's got accomplishments. So what do I know? Because I would have never thought I recommended to Bill Manning that they fire him before he even took the run in 2017. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) One one thing we could say for sure, too, we don't know if Victor Vasquez is going to get healthier, but he in L.A. he stands a chance to get a little more hair. Maybe you'll get on that (laughs) Jeremy Piven tip. Talk to Mark Wahlberg's guy. Get a nice little bit on top there. Yep, well, exactly. You could probably go down the street and get a, a, a what is it, the comedian with the mop top there from uh, from what we call it uh, from Saturday Night Live and everything. More cowbell guy, and just be like, ah, I need some Farrell. hair. Will Ferrell, <laughs> yes. Drew a blank there, and I'm like, damn it, I never forget Will Ferrell. I did. That's so funny. He's so incredibly famous of, <laughs> of all people to forget. But yeah, I no, know. He's and still- he owned, like, he's part owner of LAFC. <laughs> <laughs> He still has a thick mop of hair, though, Will Ferrell. Still looking oh, good. He he can cut his hair and just sprinkle it on Victor's head. <laughs> <laughs> Minnesota United, plus 3,300 at 4%. This team, honestly, injuries have plagued them. They need to stay healthy. Yeah, but when they're on, they're on. Like, they are annoying as hell to play. And they have a system that they all are committed to. They play a tight game. They have a tight ship there. It's just a question of how healthy can they keep There's, and what kind of damage they can do. Yep. Their stadium is beautiful, but what you should yep. never do is play a World Cup qualifier in Minnesota in the middle of February. Never fucking do that again, U.S. national team, mm. please. Well, there is that Colorado mess that you went to. <laughs> <laughs> the snowstorm. That, that was ridiculous. I've never, that was the craziest thing ever. All right. Another team that can go eat shit, that is CF Montreal. (laughs) Oh, the cat buttholes, yes. Yep. Have you seen their logo? Have you seen their logo? It's like that uh, Instagram page, Secret Buttholes. That's what what the CF Montreal logo essentially is. (laughs) Wait, wait. What Instagram page? No, you know what? Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about it anymore. Please continue with Montreal FC. Plus 5,000, 1% chance of winning. What else um, can we say? <laughs> they're not they're not going to win. Uh, they're no longer the Montreal Impact. They're officially Club Football de Montreal, right? Club yeah, de Foot. Yep. Club de Foot. Yeah, it's, yes. It's just it's just an atrocity of a team. Even their own supporters quit. <laughs> <laughs> the UMO2 is just like, oh, no, we won't go there. Yep. Let me tell you a story about Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> so... Before they joined MLS, we were playing them in the Canadian Championship, usually midweek. People got a little saucy. People got a little violent. People may have broken some seats. People may have, like, damaged the stadium and the stands a little bit. The next day, after the game, I'm on on the ride home. I get a call. Unknown number. But it's coming from Montreal. I'm like, hmm, who can this be? Who got arrested? What's going on? You know who's on the other line? Joey Saputo, the owner of Montreal. The king of cheese. The king of cheese. Joey (laughs) Saputo himself. 
and he's like swearing at me in French, like just swearing. I said, hi, and he leads into me. I literally said, hey, number one, don't know what you're saying. Number two, <laughs> why are you screaming at me, bro? <sighs> Broken my stadium, huh? <laughs> you and your English swine. <laughs> you are heading to the provisoire to get the beer. I know it. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. Having an owner of a team get your number just so that he can swear at you. That's how classy Montreal is. Anyways, Nashville Soccer Club plus 1,600 at 4%. <laughs> Just want to point out, you did break his stadium, though. <laughs> you did have a point. I know. Trust me. Trust me. Somebody kicked in our drum. He didn't pony up money for that. Also a point. Also a fair point. And they got to pay for their dental work somehow. And let me tell you another thing about this night. Security kicks us out of the stadium when they see Into a, a wall of fans of Montreal supporters literally with weapons waiting for us. Yeah, that that would be the night that I got into a fight with the hell's with a a, a a biker guy, hell's angel biker dude who they had working security. He nearly killed me. Yep, <laughs> just ridiculous. I was so mouthy that night. Oh my goodness. Yep, Nashville Soccer Club plus sixteen hundred four percent. This is a like Minnesota. Mm. This is a tough team to play. Yeah, they got a system. They stick to it. I got to get down to some Nashville. They switched divisions this year. I think they're in the West now. Uh, I got to get down there because I want me some of that chicken that they got there. And they have the beautiful new stadium opening up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nashville apparently is one of the most underrated cities just to be in in Mm -hmm. all of the states. And like people who go to Nashville are like, wow, that was beautiful. And I loved it there. So, yeah, Nashville, underrated city on the world stage. Yeah. Yep. Nice people, nice barbecue, nice fried chicken. I'm telling you, it's nothing but good, good music, everything. Like, if, even if it's not your thing, it's a great place to be. And they've got a great team. There's a lot of energy around it. And, you know, I know that they knocked us out and it was bitter pill to swallow, but we sucked. Yeah, so, we should have been them. in the playoff that year. Anyway, let's move on. New England Revolution plus 650, 9% chance of winning. Just acquired TFC's former player, former striker. Josie Altador, this team is good team, but man, do they need a new stadium so bad? They need a new stadium, and they got to get rid of the other cheesemonger. And what is it? Is it Kraft or Gillette that owns Kraft. that? It's Kraft. Yeah, Kraft, because it's that's in why, the Gillette Stadium. Yeah, yeah, that's why they're not moving from Gillette Stadium. Let yeah, me, yeah, that's but... a stadium I have stories about. <laughs> Uh, On paper, though, are these guys not along with L.A. and possibly Seattle the best team right now? And New York FC. Yep. Right. They they won the supporter shield. They they did an incredible job last year running the league. The issue that I have is they've lost Tejon Buchanan, right? Like he's the Canadian striker that we love watching on Canada. He's now taken off to Europe. It's just a question of this is one thing I'm going to air this out. It really bothers me that we can let Altador go, buy out his contract and cancel it, right? Nullify his contract. Then New England picks him up. This is what bugs me about the MLS. New England picks him up, activates the contract that we canceled, and gets us to pay 80% of it. <laughs> How is and that possible? I know. Like I'm like, once you nullify the contract, you should have to go and renegotiate 
and then we get a percentage of it as a penalty. Like there's a, there's a simple way to adjudicate it. And then there's a crap way. If there's a crap way, that's the MLS way. Zero <laughs> transparency and just be like, mm, well, he's on a, he's on a contract. So yeah. Mm, yeah. That's the way. Yep. And it's honestly one of the worst places to watch a game. The only good thing about oh, going to Gillette Field, uh, Gillette Stadium, is their $5 beers. Yeah, and you know what? The, the, the surface is absolutely terrible. It's career-ending turf. That's why All I'm right? shocked Josie Altador is there. I can't believe he willingly went there. Like, he refused trades to other places, other markets, and he willingly walked into that place. And nothing against the New England fans, because they are amazing, all right? I've partied with them. I've, I know them. They're great. But holy crap, like, he's going to get three games in and have an ACL tear, and that's it. Yep. Like, that, it, it's it's a death trap, that, that stadium. Yep. For a fragile player like Josie. New York City FC, last year's champions, plus 900, 15% chance of winning the league. When they're good, they're good. When they're terrible, they're normal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's the thing. I, I, like, I don't like this team for one reason. All right, it's the, it's. The... I don't respect them for one reason, and that is because they play on an absolute piece of shit field in Yankee Stadium. That's not a soccer field. That's a. That's worse than any other field I've seen. They play in Yankee Stadium when there is a mandate in the league that any new team needs to have a soccer-specific stadium to play in. That's why BMO Field was even built. Yep. And here this thing is bastardized in, in the outfield, and it means that they can play a style of game that doesn't even resemble football. It's it's There's no sideline. Like, there's no side movement in that stadium. Everything's down the middle because that's all there is down the middle. Yep. It's, it's, it's disgusting. And you know, to their credit, they've turned it into an advantage. So whatever. Yep. All right. We're going to go to Jersey and we're going to talk about the New York Red Bulls plus 1600, 5% chance of winning. The New Jersey Red Bulls win something. I know, right? (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. If we're talking about teams that, just don't seem to do well in the playoffs eventually they're just gonna have an issue with their pants yep and crap them so orlando city plus 3300 three percent chance of winning they've lost a lot of players but you know they have torres uh they and then they have a couple other players that they picked up but i don't know I don't know. This team is, 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 they've had big names, right? They've had Pato. They've had Kaka. They've had some pretty big names play in Orlando. Nanny. But they just can't win. Nanny. Yep. But they just can't yep. win. It's the recipe that the MLS teams seem to fall for. Get a big name and hope that he'll kite them into success. Yep. And right? that doesn't happen. And those guys disappear sometimes because they have injuries and they try to push through. And guess what? They become less effective. Yep. All right. <laughs> and then you learn. Because you didn't win jack shit. Philadelphia Union plus 1,000, 4% chance of winning. The PU. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty coil. much it. Their don't tread on me looks like a coiler. Yep. The PU. But eh, the, the curtain has them playing well when they, do, when they buy into the system. They're a very difficult team to crack because they're so committed to defensive play. And they take advantage on the counter. Like... 
it's going to be interesting again because this is where cross-playing might impact things. They could become better than we ever thought because teams in the West might not be able to deal with the trap that they set on the field. Yeah. But who knows? Speaking of issues on the field and off mm-hmm. the field for this next team, that's the Portland Timbers plus 1,400 at 3% chance of winning. Here's my prediction for the for them. They're going to have a tough year because of all the stuff they're dealing with. Their sexual abuse allegations against the former coach. And then they have the domestic violence allegations against their own midfielder, playing midfielder, Andy Polo. Ugh, oh, 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 I wasn't oh, oh, even oh, aware fact, of some of that. Like, and I the know fact, I've seen crackles the, about here's the, thing, Phil the issues Matt. there, but oh, it's not good. And it's going to result in off-field like distractions. It's that the team simple. knew like, about this stuff. It's going to be very difficult because I know the fan bases are activated by this too, right? Rightfully so. Well, I see on my Facebook, like, you know, a lot of their supporters are selling their season tickets tickets because they don't want to deal yeah. with this team. So that's that. I get it. It's a tough spot. All right. Real Salt Lake plus 2,500 under 1% chance of winning. This is a team that just struggles. You know, when they have a good team, they'll win the league. When they're not a very good team and winning the league, they're they're a pretty shit team. Yeah, so they they won it once. Exactly. Like, Like, it's tough to activate teams in that environment, that market. Like, it's just not the kind of place that responds well to soccer. And I think I've heard the whispers and and the, the, the rumors all circulating around that they might be a team that's primed to up roots and kind of move out. So we'll see. San Jose Earthquakes plus 6,600, 1% chance of winning. Yeah, that sounds about right. Again, dangerous team when they want to be dangerous, but consistency is key in this league, and they're not very consistent. They're not very threatening in the in the uh, playoffs. So if they make the playoffs, I'd be surprised. Yep. A team that we know fairly well in finals, Seattle Sounders plus 700, 9% chance of winning. Yeah, they're threatening. They're They've got They're the buy-in. They've got the crowd belief. Made the playoffs every single year of existence. This team, yep. honestly, one of my favorites to win, uh, personally. And we're going to move on. Sporting yep. Kansas City, plus 1,000 at 3%. Yeah, and Kansas City are one of those teams, too. When they're playing well, they play into a system that seems to get results. It's just a question of consistency at this point. If they can make the playoffs, then... Don't count them out because they've they've toppled Giants before. Yep. And the Vancouver Whitecaps, plus 5,000, 2% chance of winning. I think that's 2% is 1% high. Like, I just think that they went on that epic 22-game run last year where they just got notoriety, they got belief. I don't wish them to do poorly, but I can't see them with a new coach and, you know, trying to get a, a coach finally secured, right? They took the the gap coach, the the fill-in coach, and they've given him the job. I don't know that he's going to actually get the results he needs. Like, yep. you can't run a 17-year-old goalkeeper like they did last year and hope that it just keeps on becoming a huge career thing for him. Like it's you said, a tough spot. Like you said, honestly, what's going to really hurt Vancouver is the fact that they're not playing teams from the East, teams that they haven't played in three seasons, and they're going to struggle. If last week is any indication, they're going to struggle. Yep, because when you're when you're in the contained league stuff, you can just study your opponent and know your game plan. Now it becomes a lot harder to do that scouting. All right. 
And the last team, Toronto FC, plus 2,500, only 1% chance of winning. Bob Bradley brought in to fix the system, to lay a system down. We have Lorenzo Insigne. He's coming in midseason. We have other Italians likely getting signed, also probably coming midseason. Phil, we better get some points to start the season because our season cannot officially start in July. Yeah, and that's the big mix calculation now. Like, unfortunately, windows are the windows, and you can only do so much, especially with players that are under contract. They're allowed to negotiate in their last year of contract, but it doesn't mean that they're out of contract. And extracting them from those teams was just a price too high, right? So that's the thing. Now we got to sit back and hope that we don't shit the bed on the opening part of the year However, history is not kind to us, and neither is the schedule. So I look at those things, being a homer, and go, hmm, this is going to be another year. Like, last year, we were 10 games in, like, with Chris Armas and what, had one win, and they kept on telling us, well, there's a system. We have a five-year plan. We have this. We have that. And guess what? Then it was like, bye-bye, Chris. And then it was just all hands on deck. This year, calculating that the Hail Mary is going to come in July – Insignia's going to get there and score prolifically after playing for an entire year in Italian football and somehow knowing how to avoid tackles that we give in this league. I think it's a recipe for a guy to just have a really bad second half of the season, much like Pozuelo did when we did the same type of thing, right? Also, also, let's remember, Insignia, he's been... He's been playing a year. There's this little thing in November called the World Cup that I'm pretty sure he's going to want to be nice and healthy for. Yeah. It, it's it just Assuming all Italy makes it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's if somebody doesn't take his kneecaps out in the first game, right? Like, yep. Yep. It's 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 not a very forgiving league when they don't want to be, right? They don't play beautiful football all the time in this league. It's a hard working league. And I don't know anything, and I don't know much about Insigne's temperament yet. We never do until they get here. But remember, Sebastian Javenko would get here, and you'd see him flopping all around. And then he realized, they're booing me for it. Yep. And he changed. To his credit, he became a really, like, stand-up, kind of fight-through-it guy. And that's what we want in our soccer players in Toronto. Like, that's what we expect from football. So... Insignia's going to have to learn it. Now, I think the fatigue of playing an entire Serie A season is, I'd say set your sights on next year being a better year, and I won't even say think about playoffs or a cup at that point. Honestly, for me, if they make the playoffs, that's a successful year. Yes. That's honestly where I'm at with this team. I don't know what else to say, to be 100% honest. Matt, question for you, as an outsider, as a casual soccer viewer, at best, what do you think yes. of TFC? Uh, well, they got some good young talent, obviously. Like, I don't know much about them, but uh, yeah, definitely it feels like they're rebuilding, right? And uh, I, yeah, I think your assessment is good. Like, I would be satisfied if they finished uh, sixth or seventh in the conference and just kind of squeaked into the playoffs. So, yeah, in case you don't know, the uh, the playoff format is there are 28 teams now in MLS, I guess. Yep. So, uh, so exactly half the teams qualify, 14 top seven in each of the East and the West, the top seed gets a bye, 
And uh, then they just do a single elimination tournament from there. That's the format now. It's not uh, two out of three at all, uh, not aggregate like it used to be, I believe. You're right. Now it's just straight up March Madness style bracket. It really uh, is. The top seed in each conference gets a bye. And let me tell you this it feels like March Madness because you never know what's going to happen. I'm not sure if I like it yet, but I'm not sure if I like aggregate. I like aggregate when you don't have the away goal rule. Uh, I'm I'm going to correct one thing here. When saying that word, one pronounces it aggregate. <laughs> it's gosh like aggregate. Yep. Exactly. I'm not sure what just happened, but all right, thank you. <laughs> there, there was years ago on Satanta Sports, there was a a a, a show where they'd have puppets on, you know, and uh, they'd be parroting what's going on in football. And the Wayne Rooney puppet would come on and go, <laughs> Dosh, like, I got to know how to play on aggregate. <laughs> it was it was really bad. Da- uh, <laughs> David Brightly is going to understand this joke, and he's going to probably be <laughs> laughing about it. Let me tell you that. That's hilarious. Uh, So who do you guys like? Who's coming out of the East? Who's coming out of the West? Who's going to win the MLS 2022? All right. West, Seattle, East. (sighs) I hate to say this, but it's going to be New England, and I think Seattle is going to win. Oof. Phil, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to say out of the West, LA Galaxy. Oh, Toronto Junior, TFC yeah, Junior. Yeah, Junior. I'm gonna say TFC Junior, and uh, out of the East, I'm gonna say Columbus Crew. Oh, the Crew has been saved. Who do you think wins the cup? Crew, Crew. <laughs> I'm just shooting shit, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me midpoint in the season, and I'll have an informed opinion. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, but you'd be surprised at how often we get stuff right in this uh, on this show. I hope, well, you, you know how much I don't like guessing like that, Boris, so I put it out there, man. I just think LA Galaxy, to be honest, have the potential if they fire on all cylinders, and they also have the money to call in for backups if something's broken mid-season. They could be the type of team that pulls in an insignia, for example, and actually gets more successful due to it. Yeah. So I just think that that, that deep of money pockets goes a long way when you actually have vision on the field. And one thing that I will give Greg Vanny credit for is building our academy and building that philosophy. And we are promoting players, as Matt has pointed out, at a very young age to first team. And it might be a mistake, and it might not be. Uh, I know that they, like I pointed out, they punch above their weight when they're in the minors with us. But that's all due to Greg Vanny. And the, and the academy and and coaches like Danny Dicchio and whatnot who have departed from us, unfortunately. But um, you know that that's the legacy. That's their legacy and their gift to our team. And I I believe that hopefully they'll be able to coax the same type of results out of the LA Galaxy. Yep, that is a perfect way to end this little preview. Phil, thank you so much. We're gonna have you back when we talk mid-season at the end at the end of the season. And I guess I'll talk to you when we record It's Canon. So thanks so much, Phil. Thank you, guys. It's been great to be here. All right, Matt. That is sports for today. I think we're going to save some NBA chat, some NHL chat one more week. I know last week we said we'd do it this week, but 
MLS was it started already. I wanted to chat some MLS. Got to give some love to that local game, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys are you the 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 OG Red Patch boys. We're gonna show some love to TFC and Major League Soccer on this podcast. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, we will be back with full NBA breakdown, state of the NBA address next week, and then I believe the week after. When's the NHL trade deadline? Is it the 18th? Oh, we might miss it by a day. We'll figure it out. But we might have an NHL wrap-up post-NHL trade deadline, too. Very soon. Yep. Matt, a couple things happened in the wrestling world this week. Big news, buddy. You are the Ring of Honor man, and yep. you might be covering AEW's NXT. You might be uh, <laughs> on on another developmental league here. What's going on with Ring of Honor and AEW? I have no idea what's going on with AEW and Ring of Honor. Long story short, on Wednesday's Dynamite, Tony Khan comes out excited, as excited can be, wink, wink, and he announced that <laughs> AEW has fought bought slash purchased Ring of Honor from Sinclair Broadcasting. So here's a couple things that we know and some observances and some rumor and innuendo that I kind of just wanted to pass by and see what you think. All right, so apparently Tony Khan played 30 to f- paid 30 to 40 million for ROH, but this hasn't just yet been confirmed. PW Insiders tells them that Apparently, a few years ago, WWE was making a play for ROH. Obviously, that didn't come into fruition. So what do you think on the price? It seems, uh, at first glance, it sounds pretty expensive. It sounds a little more than I was expecting. It makes me think that there might be some kind of television situation involved with it as well. Because just the tape library and the name the right to produce a Ring of Honor show. That seems pretty expensive, no? Well, here's the thing, right? Like, people aren't idiots. You know they, they the Sinclair Broadcasting, well, they are idiots, but we know that they if, if they're a real company, they would have asked someone to take a look at the deal, right? And it's no secret that Tony Khan wants that tape library. A lot of his main stars, CM Punk's, you know, um, and, 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 and that class of the original yeah. ROH stars, that's their youth. That's their start. That's their beginning. He, there's countless and countless of hours for that, right? Everyone knows that the biggest part of the deal for me personally is all in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, now Tony Khan does own all in and he can show the Joey Janela versus Hangman Page penis druid match in all its glory. Not Joey Janela, Joey Ryan, sorry. Joey Even Ryan. worse, buddy, the penis druid match that happened on All In in all yep. its glory. I'm sure so, there are other things on that show he's going to showcase first and foremost, of course. I bet, actually, if and when this gets to a streaming service, I bet all things Joey Ryan are, are scrubbed. Definitely from All In. Yeah, probably. Most most likely, I would say. Um, so going back to my point, you know, yeah, no. If I know that you're that you're you want to buy something from me, Matt, and I know that you really want parts of that badly. I'm no I'm no idiot. Mama raised yep. no fool. I'm gonna raise the price <laughs> on you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And if you know that he Tony Khan with his AEW footage and now all this Ring of Honor footage can package it 
and turn it around and sell it to somebody for a premium, that's a, that's another part of it, right? So you're going to want the bag dropped on you. So yeah, that doesn't make sense now that now that we talk it out, it does make sense. So here's sure. the, here's what's included in the deal: the assets, the IP, the pay-per-views, the production equipment. It doesn't have any talent because all of ROH's talent was either released when the promotion went on hiatus or the contracts expire at some point this month. For example, Sledge, his contract expired March 1st. Other wrestlers' ex- uh, contracts expired March 1st. So essentially saying that if you want to work for R- T- Tony Tony Khan's ROH, you need to renegotiate a contract. So this includes people like Jonathan Gresham, like the Briscoes. Absolutely, yeah. And I just saw the Briscoes tweeted at Tony Khan like, yo, cool, what's up? When do we get to wrestle FTR? Which is funny. <laughs> so I'm sure there will be involvement with previous ROH talent. But at the same time, it's like you said, yeah, they, they are starting fresh. Here's an interesting one. So talents who were booked April 1st for the Supercard of Honor event in Dallas were frustrated that management on either side didn't tell them about ROH's plans beyond that date. Mike Johnson of Insider says his cell phone exploded with texts from ROH wrestlers after the announcement and no one knew or would admit to knowing about Khan's purchase. Interesting. Also very interesting. So, and I, I would imagine that most of that talent obviously is not going to be mad at Tony Khan for making a business deal. They're kind of mad at their previous employer for not giving them the full uh, breath of knowledge on what's going on with their lives here. But yeah, so yeah, so many moving parts. What do you think there's is more. going to happen? Oh, there's oh, more. Sorry, 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 sorry. There's three more points. Let's let's make before we okay. talk about what okay. we think. And and this kind of goes hand in hand with what I think. A lot of people are theorizing that ROH is going to be a home for talent on the roster who don't get much TV time. Uh, there's even rumors floating around that Dark Dark Elevation are going to be rebranded as Ring of Honor, and that's going to have find and uh, they're going to get their own separate TV deal because the ongoing rumor Matt is that HBO Max is in negotiations with Tony Khan to be their partner in streaming service. Similar to WWE and Peacock. Yeah, I think, but much, in a lot of ways, much better. Now, I'm sure WWE and Peacock, WWE is going to be happy with that because they're going to get a substantially higher sum of money than AEW ever will at this stage in the game for their tape situation. But AEW can't be disappointed with, with HBO Max. Like, HBO Max is very popular in the States. I know a lot of people, a lot of my American friends and family, Uh, have chosen HBO Max over Netflix, and that's like their favorite streaming service. So it would be humongous for AEW pay-per-views or just AEW tape library and some old ROH stuff to be on HBO Max. Yep. All right, Canadian fans, I know you're wondering, and everyone knows that HBO has 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 a deal with Bell Media and Crave. Now, that deal is for HBO Max exclusive. So when it comes to sports and new acquisitions like this there a new deal will have to be arranged but because bell owns tsn tsn airs um aew i'm sure that tsn is going to want to keep aew on the tsn streaming service so i think we're sol shit out of luck when it comes to that dream 
Yeah. So yeah, that is the dream for AEW pay-per-views and, and ROH content to be on Crave TV. That's what you were talking about right now. Right. And we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but yeah, probably not going to happen. But isn't it funny, like literally on NXT Talk on Tuesday, we were literally talking about this very situation and how yeah. I have to wrap my head around what's where. Yeah, exactly right. And all kinds of distrib- uh, distribution fees. Yeah, it's your job. It's basically like what you do for a living. Yep. Um, yeah, so I have a question for you now that we're on this subject. Pay-per-views. We've seen the numbers from Uncle Dave and other uh, people about the the astronomical numbers that the pay-per-views are getting. How, how would you handle pay-per-views for AEW on HBO Max? Would you give them for free, or would you go the UFC route where you have to kind of pay an extra fee to watch the pay-per-view? Oh, 100% if you can. If they can, you go you go UFC route. Million, thousand percent, obviously, Boris. They're doing at least 100,000, and in some cases up to 200,000 uh, buys per pay-per-view. So to just burn that money makes no sense. If they can, obviously you'd want the extra fee. I'm not sure if they'll be able to pull that one off. And I wonder what that would do for WWE. I wonder if WWE, if AEW successfully did it, if WWE would consider doing the same. I'm actually shocked they haven't done it with Mania yet. Same. I I know that there was talks about this, especially a few years ago when the whole idea of a tiered system for the network was was being floated around. So to me, and you turn around and you look at the success of UFC, but then... You know, I don't know. It's like first you have to be subscribed to Peacock. Then you have to pay an extra fee. You know, if you're looking at numbers and metrics, if the numbers aren't nice, WWE is not going to want people to know that. Yeah, that's very true. I think it makes a lot of sense that in order to watch it live, you have to pay an extra fee. And it'll probably be the same fee that it would be to watch the pay-per-view normally, like 50 bucks or in UFC's case, 90 bucks now it is. But uh it's so insane, man. It's so terrible. But yeah, no, that makes sense. And then if you don't pay that fee, it shows up on the service, what, a week later, a month later, whatever it is. And then you can watch it for your base fee. I think that's probably long term the way it's going to play out. I think that's definitely what Tony Khan would want. Yep. All right. And then the biggest question is around ROH TV time slots on Sinclair syndicated channels and cable outlets like Stadium and NESN. No one knows what's going on with the TV deals. Yes. Yeah, that's that's going to be that's a weird one. We wait information on that front. But, you know, uh, TBS, I'm sure they have like lower tier channels too. whatever happened to Spike TV. That's gone now. Right. Is it what what, what, Spike TV is paramount, I think. Oh, I see. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Warner Warner has TBS, TNT and a couple others. Uh, I don't know. Do they still have CNN? Yeah, they still have CNN. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's what's going to happen. Ring of Honor will be on CNN. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it here first. Anyways, <laughs> Matt, so you asked me, what do I think is going to happen? I honestly yes. think that Dark and Dark Elevation is going to be rebranded as Ring of Honor, and essentially, we're going to see a developmental league of sorts with similar to NXT 2.0, where you have some quote unquote main roster coming back and forth, like a Dolph Ziggler, like a um, whoever else appeared, AJ Styles. Yeah, exactly. I a million percent agree with you, buddy. I could totally see it happening. And maybe they'll get a TV show on like True TV or HLN or something like that. HLN. Uh, right after Forensic Files, you can watch <laughs> Ring of Honor. 
<laughs> exactly, buddy. Exactly right. Um, yeah, so no, now, I don't Matt, know. I, the I, million I, dollar question. <laughs> Because we cover all things developmental, apparently. We're going to have to figure out what's going on with our shows. No, yeah, we'll talk about it in BAM. And we'll see, too. Maybe uh, maybe a podcaster will emerge. A new foe will come up. and uh, <laughs> Not foe, friend. A new challenger we'll, has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, no, maybe you know, maybe somebody will want to cover Ring of Honor here at the uh, SNME radio family. We shall find out. But, yeah, no, man, I, I'm not uh, – we, we can work it into BAM some weeks, you know, but NXT talk is NXT talk. As long as we do that, we're it's just NXT. It, I don't care about Ring of Honor. Like, AEW, like we're not watching New Japan Strong on NXT talk, for example. Sure. Exactly. Funny. We should be because it's way better than NXT. I don't know about that. I'm completely derailing the conversation right now. Because every t- apparently, I, I had a comment yesterday. The comment made me laugh so hard. And I forgot to tell you when we say SNME, sometimes we say it a little quickly. And it sounds like we're saying SNM. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I, yes, yes, that's going to happen. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that, buddy. But. <laughs> Pat McAfee today had a very special <laughs> guest. <laughs> and did you listen to any of the interview? Uh, no, I read a recap of the interview expecting to see like an explosive angle, but did not see that angle. So today on the Pat McAfee show, he had Vincent K. Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr. on the show. Honestly, Matt, it was a fantastic interview. See what you want about Vince. See. You know, we don't know the guy. We see his dealings. You know, we see a version of him as Mr. McMahon. We've seen a version of him on Beyond the Mat and other documentaries. We've heard stories about him from agents, producers, former wrestlers, but we don't know the guy. So having this interview, and it's rare that we see this side of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Honestly, the last time I think I saw this side in an interview was on Off the Record many years ago when he was on with the entire family. Interesting. Well, that's very high praise, man. I'll definitely go back and check it out. So he seemed like on the ball, crisp, lucid today. <laughs> see what I mean? <laughs> like, dude, like, yeah, say what you want about this guy. He still knows what he's doing in terms of big business Big, like, remember, WWE is a publicly traded company. They're so much more than just a wrestling company, right? Like, or a sports entertainment company, I should say. It, there's so yeah. much more than that. And I think we as fans forget that. We forget the fact that this is a huge uh, entertainment conglomerate at this point. Well, they they make it pretty hard for you to forget. But I know what you mean. Like, the amount of work, the amount of true success that Vince McMahon has had, we don't give him enough credit. Yeah. So yeah, this, 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 this was like a lot of, a lot of it was like trying to get in Vince's head. They were talking about the network. And one of the things I've always given Vince McMahon credit for is how they, how they embrace technology. Do you remember back in like, you know, the, the early years of the early, like 2010, 2009, 2011, how they embrace social media? Like, they really embraced social media before yeah. it was the cool thing to do. 
Absolutely. And they tried to push their own social media thing with tout, which was uh, not a success, but they do, man. They are on the, the cutting edge. They were on the cutting edge of cable. The they network. were on the cutting edge of pay-per-view. The They're network. on the cutting edge with the network, even WWE.com when it launched and like even on the AOL stuff in like 95, 96, they really yep. are. Yo, they, they, they 100% are. So apparently the WWE network was a brainchild of Vince, but what ended up happening, he was in early conversations with Comcast for reasons that deal didn't happen, Comcast, FYI, is NBC, Peacock. So this relationship has been a brewing for a really long time, right? So what yeah. ended up happening was there was a disagreement on who owns the content. Right. So okay. basically Vince said, we'll uh, chat with you later. They went, turned around. They hired a bunch of people. I, I interviewed for them, FYI, uh, when the network was being built, and they created the WWE Network, based it off of MLB's streaming capabilities, and there we go. That's how the network was created. Yeah, man. And yeah, obviously, they sold it to Peacock and have been laughing ever since, and, and are laughing for many reasons. They're just printing money there. But uh, yeah. So Vince McMahon is definitely uh, he is a good businessman. He not necessarily the best wrestling booker in 2022, but yeah, neither here nor there. But I think the big story is the non-story. It's that there wasn't an explosive angle. There wasn't a Bob Costas situation where he tried to fight the interviewer. It was just a straight up friendly interview where yeah, Vince McMahon did offer pat mcafee a chance to compete at wrestlemania he said he can get in the ring but he didn't say who against yep that's exactly it and it was it, I, I really appreciated that honestly that is the last thing that i wanted to see um you know i think that keeping this interview you know quote unquote real as real as he can for for vince mcmahon i think that was the smartest move and this interview was great like honestly if you haven't listened to it we can do no justice to it. He talked about some great stuff. He even talked about like why do why are they marketing WrestleMania as stupendous? And his Vince's explanation of this made sense. He says he loves branding. He loves marketing. He brands everything. Um, you know, and he's like, how often do people use the word stupendous? So now when you when you think stupendous, you're gonna think WrestleMania. I understand that from a branding marketing point of view, from a wrestling fan's point of view, it's completely idiotic. It's very annoying and it's, it's super excessive. Oh no, Boris, have you been gaslit successfully by Vince McMahon? You fallen under the spell. Oh, you know it, baby. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but, but like, real, I'll, I'll, no, from I'll a business point of view, it good. makes sense. That's what I'm trying to say, right? But from a wrestling fan's point of view, it's absolutely stupid. Like it's dumb, right? So you got to give the man credit for this. Well, I don't know necessarily. You could also not give him credit and say, why don't you treat your fans with some respect and dignity? But but, uh, but also he knows how to make money. Wrestling fans, remember that. But we're not his number one target anymore. His number one target to appease are his shareholders. And shareholders only care about one thing, Matt, and that's money. And WWE right now is making money. Can't argue that, buddy. All right, so, yeah, so, honestly, listen to the interview. They talk about AEW. They talk about ROH. They talk about about uh, WCW. They talk about competition. It was, honestly, a really good listen. Cool, yeah. Did they mention AEW once? They allude to them? Yeah, they talked directly about them. And then Vince basically said, I love competition of all forms. 
Nice, nice, nice. Did they mention Triple H? I'll just listen to it myself. But yeah, that's one last thing. No, they didn't. The, uh, um, okay. They didn't mention Triple H. Um, I figured they wouldn't. Yeah, um, man. I, I, I'm very interested to see how Triple H is next. Uh, 365 days and then like the next 10 years of his career and life play out. Yeah, I know. It's it's going to be interesting because they even talked about succession. And, and, and I think Pat McAfee was like, kind of walking on eggshells as he's talking about yeah. this right you can tell that he was um he even sat down for a few seconds as he brought six, even the tv show succession up and i think and vince did a good job of kind of going around and changing the subject in a very professional way interesting cool cool yeah well uh, yeah i'll definitely watch it i'll throw it on on youtube uh, tonight at some point uh, for sure uh okay so before we move on to the uh to the pure race grab bag uh do you want to quickly talk about uh, revolution kind of preview it real fast yeah well, let's talk some revolution it is this sunday as a patron if you're listening to this from snme you get you're gonna get a link for the after party if you're a patron you can take part you can zoom up and ask questions give us your thoughts after the show dan and off the brand screen joe aguinaldo are going to be hosting that you're going to see appearances from other hosts and it's going to be a fun time so that's about 10 15 minutes after revolution if you're not a patron why aren't you? Sign up, patreon.com slash SNME radio. It's a blast. They're fun. And what else can we say about that? Matt, let's talk about the card. Yeah, so there are 11 matches, including the YouTube matches. I'm excited for 11 out of 11. Every single one of these look pretty good. So on the YouTube show, we have Hook versus QT Marshall and Chris Statlander versus legit Layla Hirsch. Both of those should be really good. Hook's going to stomp QT, but I'm, I'm super pumped for that. I think it'll be a fun match in terms of like just the, the stomping. I think that they can they can make it a very fun, um, not Golder La Parka, but... In yeah. that level of squashes, right? And Layla Hirsch, <laughs> I, little, uh, you know, AEW's Ivy Nile, um, I think that that's going to be a great match because I, I see big things with Layla Hirsch later this year. Yeah, possible. She's a really good wrestler, man. She's underutilized. But a lot of people in AEW are. There's just so many, uh, you know, not enough spots. Uh, moving on to the main card we have for the AEW TBS championship champion undefeated Jade Cargill versus Tay Conti, Ty Conti. Yeah. Jade Cargill. Like, is there any doubt? Uh, I could actually wouldn't cause I don't know. Uh, no, I think I actually think the long-term play here is that Jade Cargill is going to break Goldberg's record. I think she's not going to lose for like five years. Honestly, she's going to go undefeated for a very, very long time at this point. But uh, having said that, like, I wouldn't bet my house on Jade Cargill because they do push Ty Conte really hard. And I think it would be a, they never do like shocking title changes in AEW. Really? I think it's I've seen the, every title change coming. AEW really, really puts a focus on long-term storytelling, whatever that means. Right. So because of that, you you don't get those shock change title changes. Right. Like I truly, I think every single title change of every single title you, you can at least like predict, but I think I've seen every one of them coming, you know what I mean? And this would be a shock. This would be an absolute shock. So I think at some point soon, Tony Khan is going to pull a trigger on one of these. It won't be here though. There was one shock for me and that's Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara in the ladder match. Seeing hindsight is 2020, you know, yeah. in terms of contract, but that's neither. You know what? That's here true. Nor there. The one that, 
yes, the one that shocked me was Cody winning it on Christmas. That's the only one that shocked me, and I've actually never seen that match. But uh, I, I predicted Sammy was going to win the ladder match, even not not even knowing that Cody was leaving. I did. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So yes, uh, AHFO Andrade, Isaiah Cassidy, and Matt Hardy versus Darby, Sammy, and Sting. Six man tornado tag. Out of all the matches on this card, this is the one that I'm looking forward to the least. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know what? I see that, but I love Darby and Sammy so much. I love Andrade so much that I think that match is going to be really good. I think it'll be a good match for sure, but it's just like, eh, I, I you know, I think, I think, uh, I think um, Darby can do more, but he's he's having fun, right? Like he's doing his thing. Yeah, it's fine. You can't main event every show, but you're no, right. That, that, but obviously, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just. You know, this month or this yeah. this round of 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 pay per view, he's you know kind of just ish in a, in a program, for sure. And it is what it is. It's not the best thing, but whatever. Uh, tag team title match. It's a triple threat tag team title match. Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks. This is going to be a ton of fun. All right, I'm going to tell you my prediction. Well, the listeners in my prediction, because I already told you my prediction and how I want this show to end. That is Red Dragon, Adam Cole, and Britt Baker in the middle of the ring showing off their belts. Wow. I don't know if that's coming, but that would that would be bold. Uh, it would be a statement for sure. But you know what's funny? I think, I think you're going 0 for 3 on that one, starting with... There is no way that Red Dragon wins the titles here. It'd be it'd be an awesome title change. It'd be a good way to sneak them um, instantly up the rankings and into the into the title contention. This would surprise me if it happened. But I think Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus will win this match when Red Dragon and the Young Bucks cannot seem to get along. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen realistically. But in my gut of guts, I'm going with Red <laughs> Dragon. Nice, nice. I love it. Uh, Moxley versus Danielson. Hook that one to my veins. I've said my piece about this many, many times. Can't wait for this wrestling match. It might be my match of the year by the time the night is over. That's the kind of expectations I have for it, which is the which is the enemy, Boris. You never want to go in too pumped for something, but at the same time, look at these two guys. They're they're excellent. This is going to be a war. Oh, this match is going to be absolutely amazing. I okay. Look. Considering there's a dog collar match, I don't want to see blood on any other match. That's my oh. one thing about this match. Uh, you you're watching the wrong show. I, I, oh, I, I would know. set over I know. over under blood is three and a half matches, and I'll take the <laughs> over. I'll take the over. Four out of these eleven matches will feature blood. I think you're right, to be honest. But like it, this match doesn't need it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it might not. We'll see. I'll let, them decide. <laughs> I'll let them decide that. <laughs> it de- I guess it depends, right? Is it going to be a technical match? Is it going to be a Danielson controlling the technical aspect? Or is it going to be Moxley doing whatever the fuck Moxley does? And I mean that in the <laughs> bo- most beautiful of ways. Yeah, Moxley doing his like his new Terry Funk gimmick, basically. Mo- Moxley Funk. Uh, yeah, Monk? man, I don't know. I <laughs> uh, Sure. This one's this one is going to be a brawl. This is going to be a hate-filled brawl, and I'm referring to Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right on the 3.5 matches with blood because yeah, you know this man. motherfucker yeah. is this, gonna have there, some blood. <laughs> it might be hard way, but there will there will be blood. Uh, to quote <laughs> the great Daniel Day Lewis, actually, does he say that in that movie? I don't think he ever says it. I don't think he actually says it. Anyways, <laughs> um. 
I yeah, this match is going to be one of those sleep sleeper hits for me, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for that. The build for this has been great, and uh, yeah, Kingston is awesome. I think Kingston's going. I uh, I I'm I'm very very torn about this. How is this going to play out? Because Eddie Kingston shouldn't go heel because the people love him so much, but it feels like he wants to be a heel. He's kind of naturally a heel, but like the crowd loves him too much. Yeah, no, I, I agree hundred um, percent. Right. And that's the issue. It's like the ultimate, ultimate conundrum with, with him. Right. Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah. It, it's, it's definitely, it's tough. I, but it's like the, it's like the, the alter, uh, the alternate Cody, the, <laughs> the, alternate universe Cody you know what I mean he's not the crowd loves him too much to turn him baby like to turn him heel uh face of the revolution ladder match for a future AEW TNT championship match it's Keith Lee versus Orange Cassidy versus Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ricky Starks versus Wardlow versus I'm thinking Christian Cage 99% sure I want Keith Lee to win this so badly Here's the thing. Yeah. People love to give Tony Khan shit about bringing every wrestler under the sun. I'll do it too sometimes. Um, you know, so at some point, you're going to have to pull the trigger and give, you know, yeah, they they kind of did this with Brian Cage, right? Um, but you need to give one of these new guys something big. And I think Keith Lee is the perfect person for that. So I really want Keith Lee to win this. And I think a program with him, um, you know, going after the TNT title would be just just marvelous. I think a program with him yep. and Sammy would just be fire. 100%. And that's what we're going to see, I think. And it's going to be, other than that little Cody Rhodes thing, I think it's a perfect way to bookend Sammy's title reign. He beat Miro for the title. A little hiccup with Cody Rhodes. And then he's going to lose the title to a, to a humongous bull like the one he conquered. And then Keith Lee is going to be the new big bull who conquers him. So I think Keith Lee is going to win the title. I think Keith Lee is going to win the ladder match. I like where your head's at. And yeah, Christian Cage to defeat Ethan Page tonight on AEW Rampage. Yep. All right, women's title, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. It is Thunder's moment. It is her time. She's going to win the title. So, again, what I want to happen is one thing. <laughs> you know, what I think will happen, and, you know, this is a year in the making almost to the date since their Lights Out match. And like I said really earlier, AEW is all about long-term storytelling, this is the redemption. This is her coming back, and this is her winning the big title from from Britt Baker. Yeah, uh, Thunder Rosa, uh, Britt Baker. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was on St. Patrick's Day Dynamite, the crazy match, right? Yep. So yeah, the, the pay per view is March sixth. It's going to be a that week off. That, that's cool. I said almost a year, Matt. No, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> criticizing you. I was complimenting Tony Khan. That's really cool. That's well done. And yeah, that, that's why I think Thunder Rosa is for sure winning the title. I, like I say, I hurt my shoulder doing that. FII. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I really do think that you're right. I really do think it's the right time for Thunder Rosa to win. But it's just that image, you know, that image at the end of the show that I think would be wonderful. Some yeah, would even no, say it, a new era, an undisputed era. <laughs> I would dispute that era. Uh, punk versus MJF dog collar match. I think it's got to be Punk at this point, especially after how much he bled in the previous match. I think they go to one and one and they have an awesome blow off match perhaps at the next pay-per-view in may this is going to be just a gruesome match this is going to be 
an amazing yeah. match in for for every aspect. You have two wrestlers who really love the art. They you know study old school. You, these are two people who appreciate wrestling for wrestling. So I think this match is just going to be like honestly contender for match of the year. I hope so, man. It's going to be something. It's definitely. I'm very excited for it. that and uh, Moxley versus Danielson are the two things that I would. I am paying real money to see this show for right. Uh, and number three on that list is the main event, the World Championship: Hangman Adam Page versus Adam Cole. Uh, I'd be pretty surprised if Page lost the title here. Although Cole's good enough to be the World Champion of your company. Yep, that's not Here's the, the issue. No, no. Here's the thing. Uh, if if you're going to give Cole another chance and Cole's eventually the one who's going to win, cool, Cole can lose this match. I really do think, though, that going back to my point earlier about Tony Khan bringing all these new people and not them not kind of having a run and then kind of fizzling out, I don't want that for Cole. I hope that doesn't happen. So I, this match, I legitimately do think that Adam Cole is going to win. Wow, so you actually think they're going to flip the title. New champion, you know it's all about the boom, 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 Adam Cole, baby. Yep, I honestly do think that's it. <laughs> I, I really do think that Adam Cole's going to get his title. Wow. On wow, that is interesting. Well, time shall, uh, you know, uh, time shall tell. We shall see, Boris. Uh, yeah, if you're free Saturday night, you're welcome, or Sunday, Sunday night, you're welcome to come up and watch that thing. I will be watching it, having some beers. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm Honestly, I'm really looking forward to this show. Like, you have no idea. I know I have my jokes. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I criticize AEW with the same glasses that I criticize WWE. You know, and it just comes off super, super negative sometimes. Because, well, no one criticizes AEW, right? So, but I fucking love this product. And I'm so excited for this product. Don't you love that as, as I'm complimenting them? <laughs> it kind of comes off <laughs> negative. <laughs> well you gotta do you feel like uh, yeah yeah man i uh i i don't know but uh all i all i know homie is i'm excited for this show in your, and in uh, our gut of i guts, think sometimes you're unfair both excited yeah and sometimes you're unfair to aw <laughs> oh oh please yo you you need to take off those those, those oh don't even don't even get me started don't even get me started Shall we close with the Puro later segment? <laughs> the uh, the Puro recap, Boris. Let's do We're it, catching man. up on some Japanese wrestling that we have missed. Um, so yeah, we're going to highlight three New Japan matches and the big stardom match that everyone's talking about: uh, AZN AZM Asm versus the Dark Starlight Kid. All right. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Say I have some hot takes. I'm gonna have a very hot take in a couple minutes. Okay. Oh, interesting. All right. Do you want to start with uh, the stardom match, or do you want to close with the stardom let's close match? with the stardom match? Okay. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's uh, that's Azumi versus the Dark Starlight Kid. Azumi is spelled A Z M, but it's it's she's known as Azumi. All right. So let's start with uh, the. IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match from February 19th, Boris. This was Okada defending his title against Tetsuya Naito. We, we, we texted back and forth about this match. Okada is a wrestler that on his bad days, he can give you a five-star match. It's, we, don't, we don't appreciate how good 
Kazuchika Okada is. We don't give him enough credit. This man might be the best wrestler in the world. He has nothing but incredible, awesome matches. Here's where my hot take is. And I, it's, I shouldn't say it's a hot take. You, you, you tell me. Okada is still, somehow, one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world. I think I think you're right, buddy, because we don't appreciate it. It's, we're standing too close to the elephant. He's underrated in the way that Kevin Durant is underrated at basketball, the way that Steph Curry is underrated at basketball, and the way that Connor McDavid is underrated at hockey. We can't we can't appreciate just how great this man is. We expect them to be good all the time. We don't take a step back and actually see how good they really are. And this is yeah. in a slide at Naito in this match. Okada has a good match against Evil, for Christ's sake. Exactly right. You know, man, yeah. like Okada, that's what I mean that he's underrated. He is so effing good. We have and we raise the bar with our expectations on a on an Okada match, so much so that we forget how good he actually is. And for some reason, I don't know why, I took a step back, watched this match just one hundred percent as a fan. No notes, no nothing, just sat down, had a brewski on my right hand. Had a you know a couple chips on the left hand. Watch this match, dude. I was blown away by this match. Okay, and, and it was, I think that Okada Naito, that those are my two favorite wrestlers in in New Japan, and this match was just amazing on every level. But I maintain Okada sometimes is one of the most, if not the most, underrated wrestler in the world. I couldn't agree with you more, man. He's so, so good. And we give Brian Danielson his credit. We give, I don't know, guys like AJ Styles and even like Matt Riddle, their credit in WWE. And obviously people know about Okada, but I I, I don't know, man. Like we need to give this man more credit. Kazuchika Okada is the best wrestler alive, period, full stop. He's the one. He is the goat. Not the goat, but he is the the man right now. He holds the belt. Yeah, Uh, honestly, it's just crazy how how good he is. And, And this match was just great. The storytelling. And, you know, I have my jokes and a lot of people have jokes about, Oh, great. It's going to be a 40-minute match. But somehow, with Okada, you don't feel the, those main events, right? Like, n- nothing. N- not. I don't want to take anything away from Shingo, but his matches were too long as main events, right? But with Okada, you just don't feel 40, 50 minutes sometimes. You just don't feel how long these matches are because Okada something, is so fucking good. Something about the way he lays them out, too. Like, in a Shingo match, you're exhausted at the end of the 45 minutes because Shingo's actually doing more. He's doing, there's more kickouts, there's more huge spots, there's like the finisher and then the finisher and then the finisher off the top rope. And like, not that Okada doesn't always do that, but for example, in this match, Boris, they built and built and built to the Destino. Uh, uh, Naito hits one Destino, Okada kicks out of it, they build and build and build to the Rainmaker, Okada hits one Rainmaker and wins the match. And that's it. And another thing, too, they're telling the story of the Rainmaker being back, like Okada is, is like, reclaiming his throne, basically, right? And I think it's worth noting that so far he's had two big title matches, well, three big title matches this year so far, against Shingo, against uh, Will Ospreay, and now against Naito. One Rainmaker all three times. Boom, boom, boom. And you didn't see three finishers, four finishers, five finishers kicked out of. It's one Rainmaker, and this guy wins. And he's still having classic matches while doing it. 
Yeah, for me, honestly, it's like it's I don't want to give us too much credit. I don't want to bury Horowitz ourselves too much. But we said this in the summer, I guess in the fall, because it was G1 time, that the greatest story coming out of the G1 and into 2022 is Okada's redemption. And that's what we're seeing, right? He's coming back. It's like his mind is back on. It's not the balloon balloon Okada anymore. You know, he's over his loss against Omega. And he's back. He's back to being Okada Reigns. Yeah, yeah, man. Exactly right. So uh, Okada versus Naito, great match. We're going to go, I'm going to go four and a quarter stars on this one. Four and a quarter uh, Lions, four and a quarter 50th anniversary celebrations out of five. And I might have underrated it. I'm, you can you can see that like you know I'm going to say <laughs> something. I have my hand up like you dirty mofo, you. I'm going to give this one five. Five. I'm giving this one no four and three quarters. We don't do five. We don't do five. Four and five. five is four sacred. and three quarters. All right. Fair enough, though, man. Yeah, five is sacred around here. But yeah, fair, fair, man. Hey, you liked it. You liked it, brother. If it hit you just right on this day, it is what it is. I thought it was like it was slow, but in a good way. It was very, very intelligently worked. If you love both guys, you're gonna love this well, match. Clearly, the way that match was laid out, and I'm noticing this about Okada matches. It's almost like they're laying these matches out for him to lose. And then he comes back, he hulks up, he hits a Rainmaker, and he wins. That's an interesting point, too. Yeah, like it is It is a familiar layout of the champion loses this match, but then he does actually win it. So it kind of tricks your brain into thinking that the other guy has even more of a chance. Look at even his match with Desperado, which we're going to be talking about soon. Think of how yes. that match was laid out. It looked like Okada was going to lose for a bit. Actually, let's talk about it right now. That was the main event of the New Japan Cup round one. El Despi, El Desperado versus Kazuchika Okada. Uh, night one, round one, main event. And yeah, this match was spectacular too, man. Now, personally, I like this one more, just just a touch more than Naito versus Okada. But I feel like you uh, will disagree. Yeah. I Look, I'm going to give this one four and a half. Not the four and three quarters. This match was still great. I th- but but again, like you know, I, I think for me it was Naito. You got the Naito factor. I'm a Naito mark. There's no hiding that. Um, but Desperado has honestly been. We talk a lot about Hirumu. We always forget about Desperado. Yeah, Despi's really good, man. He's improved. Uh, there was a time when I I actually like actively disliked watching El Desperado in the ring, and uh, there was a couple New Japan. Uh, light heavyweights that I really like disliked, but I think I they've all kind of flipped me over. And chief among them is El Desperado. He's really really good now. Uh, El Fantasma was another one who I really disliked until I realized, oh, he's a bad guy. He's he's working me. I'm being a mark right now. That that's the thing. He's meant to annoy the crap out of you, right? He's meant to just get under your bones and just like make you hate him. And he does a great yeah. job of that. And how annoying he is, right? It's like all of his antics. Yes, yes, many, many antics. But yeah, this there actually there wasn't a ton of antics in this match. This no. was a straight up Desperado throwing his absolute best shot at Okada. Yep, it was a great match. Good match. I I, I really enjoyed this. Great way to start a tournament where you have Ibushi gone, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a rough one. He was my pick to win. I know the whole he thing. was. I I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm not laughing at his injury. I'm just laughing at the fact that it's like the guy can't 
by a break right now. Oh, so sad. But yeah, so yeah, that match was also incredible. I would also go four and a quarter for that one, just a shade above the other Okada match that I watched just this morning. And uh, yeah, that's uh, four four and a quarter golden anniversaries out of five for this one, buddy. Just Okada just doing work. Yep. Speaking of anniversaries, that main yes, event. Yes, sir. That main event. Yeah. So this was a ton of fun. It wasn't the uh, fastest. It was not the high speed title match, let's say, but the main event of the New Japan 50th anniversary show, March 1st, 2022, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, and Tatsumi Fujinami versus Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., and Yoshiaki Fujiwara, inventor of the Fujiwara armbar, Boris. You know, I love the fact that you had that mix of generations. Yeah, man. And this is this is so cool because, like, I don't have faith in WWE to put Vince McMahon in the ring and have it be entertaining and have it be classy. More than that, more than entertaining, classy. You know what I mean? Like, do you have any faith in in Vince McMahon at 76-year-old years old going in there and doing something like respectful to the business do you know what i mean like something Dude, that like this is the guy that made his employees and, kiss his ass on live tv this is what i'm saying like if he gets in the ring with pat mcafee there's gonna be like you know there might be hogs released like who knows what's gonna happen there might be feral hogs boris wild feral hogs in that match anyway this was respectful these were two 70 year old guys in there Fujiwara is 72. I think uh, Fujinami is late 60s. But uh, man, they were they were treating this with like dignity and respect and treating them with dignity and respect. And while it wasn't fast paced wrestling, it was pretty it was pretty enjoyable to see. Among the six men, there was almost 200 years of experience in that ring. Wow. Wow. That is insanity. I believe it, too. And. How cool is it for Zack Sabre Jr. to be able to mix with these five Japanese legends? Honestly, number one, it goes to show you the faith and where New Japan sees Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, right? Like, that's just crazy. Yeah. You're in there with just... I would freak out if I was in a match with Tanahashi or Okada alone. You know, but being in a tag match with them on the opposing team is crazy. So it's crazy. The number one, it, it just goes to show you where Zack's saber jr how he's seen and number two is he really is as good as we think he is 100 percent, a hundred thousand percent he's so great and yeah could you, we say it every now and then when he comes up on this podcast but like i look at zach saber jr and i look at pete dunn and i look at those guys who have kind of similar but divergent career paths right and man do you could you picture zach saber jr in nxt 2.0 right now or nxt uk Yes. versus main eventing like New Japan 50th anniversary with Dude. fucking Fujiwara and Tatsumi Fujinami. Tanahashi Okada and Fujinami. Pff, give me jacket time on the other side. <laughs> and Tony D'Angelo, bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Zack yeah, Sabre Jr. Sure. versus Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. versus and, and Lash Legend in a mixed tag match. Oh, uh, that's against, what I'm saying. He's, I don't know. He's... He's having like a, a legitimately beautiful professional wrestling match in its own way in the 50th anniversary show of New Japan. And Pete Dunne's having crowbar on a pole versus the fucking Tony Soprano character who we love. But come on. If, if come the, on. If, I, under, I understand where you're coming from. And we're looking at this 100 percent as a fan. Right. Like and, and for, for right reason. I'm not saying that's not the way to look at it. Right. 
But Pete Dunne, on his own accord, made the decision to re-sign with WWE, yeah. right? So it's like, it's on him at this point. It's on these guys. Well, and I feel I do feel bad for Pete Dunne specifically because apparently Triple H hand delivered Pete Dunne a contract around early September, right before 2.0 really kicked in, right? And that was that was a whole story that I believe I remember. So. Yeah, that's like one of the uh, last things Triple H did, probably. Like if you take a look at the yeah. timeline. Absolutely. So yeah, for this match, the trio's main event of New Japan 50th anniversary show, I would go three and three quarters. Uh, golden anniversaries on this one. Not quite a great match, but very, very good, very memorable, very much worth your time. Yep, agreed. All right, man, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It, do not sleep on stardom, and stardom is on such a hot streak right now, dude. Yes, yeah, man, yeah. And there's another couple stardom matches that I need to watch still. The main event of the this show that we're talking about uh, where – Azumi and Dark Starlight Kid had their incredible match. The main event of that show was also supposedly dope. That was Stardom Cinderella Journey in Nagoka, February 23rd, 2022. Yeah, one of my friends was at that show, actually. Really? Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. Should get them on the uh, get them on the program one of these days if they're going to be at Stardom Live. Yeah, oh, I, I really want to talk. This guy watches so much, so much. And I think that if 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 some of our listeners are in any class like Japanese wrestling groups in on Facebook, they'll know who I'm talking about. Anyways, we are talking, and I'm trying to bring them in. It's just timing. Nice. Uh, so yeah, Azumi versus Dark Starlight Kid, the Stardom High Speed Title, which is essentially their X Division title. Am I right? It's like their <laughs> cruiserweight, but not a cruiserweight title. The yeah, the X Division is the perfect way to put this, right? Like it's basically wrestling on coke. Yeah, oh, and this match was on some drugs. It was a high speed title match. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was basically like, you know what I was thinking when I was watching it? And I, the first time I watched it, I, it didn't land with me. But the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is a classic. And what this is, this might be, I'm not going to say it's going to be as well remembered, but this is our generation's kind of like you say Tiger Mask versus no Tiger Mask <laughs> okay. versus Dynamite Kid. Yeah. This is this is two wrestlers working faster than anyone else can, doing more than anyone else can, pushing the pace, pushing the business. It reminds me of Rey Mysterio. It reminds me of the Young Bucks. It reminds me of Kenny Omega. That's what this match was. It was two people working uh, at a speed that looks like wrestling might look in ten or fifteen years. You know. Yeah, no, this match was insane. This match was insane. Like, you sometimes forget, you know, when people think Joshi especially, there's some real shit. There's some really weird stuff that, you know, maybe culture. it's a cultural thing. I don't know what it is, but they do some really weird stuff. But then you see a match like this that's ahead of its time, you know? And, and, and like you said... This is how wrestling could be in 10, 15 years, 5, 10, 15 years, right? It's just crazy, man. It's just crazy. This match wasn't the prettiest match, wasn't the best of matches, wasn't the most technical of matches, but it was different, and that's what I liked about this match. Yeah, it was just the execution was such that it was just, it, it was so, so crazy. There were, in my opinion, there were a couple small nitpicks i did i did think they lost me a little bit just because they did so much amazing high octane high 
it wasn't uh this match wasn't lethal weapon one or the terminator one it wasn't an action movie with a solid story behind it this match was fast five or furious seven it was people fucking exploding out of airplanes you know what i mean it was well you know this is the thing right like a lot of people give the young bucks shit because of their style of wrestling right and i compare their style of wrestling and this match specifically like you just said, a fast five, a fast seven, like a hardcore action music or action movie where you see just craziness and the story absolutely. doesn't matter. Nothing else matters, but it's the fun watch. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's so, a yeah, place so- there's a place in wrestling for all that stuff, right? Like there's a place for everything in wrestling. But this match was just so different. My one nitpick is that this match, because of how high octane and how crazy fast and fast paced it was, it went just a little too long. Yeah, man. Well put. Exactly. Like they didn't need to go five minutes. Uh, they, they they could have cut at least yeah like like five six minutes out of this easily like you know like they they overstayed their welcome just a little bit but that's that's even too rude to say because it's not like the crowd was not entertained it's not like i was not entertained but it was just it was just too much it just felt like too much it felt like one of those pwg matches that that are just incredible in the moment and then you kind of don't really take much away from it although i am going to take a lot away from this one specifically but it was kind of that style. Yep. That's honestly, that's a perfect way to put it, Matt. So how would you rate this match? This is a hard very, match to rate. Yeah. Very, very tough. I'm thinking about it long and hard. And I do think that I am going to go four and a half out of five, four and a half golden anniversaries out of five. It is only the seventh match that I have gone four and a half or above this year. And uh, it's only the seventh match, only the seventh match. It's March. There have already been seven matches that I would tell you are classic, like hall of fame worthy matches. And this is one of them. Yeah. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to agree with you on that rating. I would have given it my initial feeling was four, but I, 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 I'm, I'm going with you. We're good. We're, we're going to agree on this one. Yeah. It's just because like, I honestly feel after watching this match the way I felt after watching like Young Bucks tags in 2008 or 9. Like, oh my God, what's even happening right now? You know? I remember the first time I watched the Young Bucks. And the first time I watched the Young Bucks was actually live in person. And I was just flabbergasted with what I saw. Like, I needed a cigarette. And that's how I felt about this match. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely man yeah i actually saw the lo- the young bucks live a couple times too once in like a really small like armory and uh, a couple times at ted reeve yep the armory in mississauga i uh, know the one in uh like right by brown's line in uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah yep i know which one yep i i used to live like right there cool very cool anyways when i first moved to the city yeah anywho so yeah so so this match was great and again listeners please give stardom a chance it is so much fun again not everything is perfect there is some odd weirdness of like i said earlier joshi and whatnot but this this promotion is just cranking out some amazing shows and i'm actually getting really hyped for their big shows later on this month yeah, same. Yeah, we have the double title match, that uh, the Julia versus Mayu Iwatani match, which was also incredible uh, set up. And yeah, man, yeah, lots of awesome uh, Joshi coming. I mean, I'm very, very excited. Yep. All right, Matt. I think this one, this episode went a little long, 
but sometimes that's okay. We did have a lot of stuff to chat about, and uh, you know, I think I think it's time to call it a day. But before we go, listeners of SNME, this is what's coming up tomorrow. You're getting not one but two shows. First off, you're getting the Smack Daddies talking all things SmackDown, and then later on, you're gonna be getting the Dark Side of the Elite as their Rampage are going to be rolling out, chatting all things AEW Rampage. Then on Sunday, you're getting the flagship show, Mike McGuire is back, giving you everything in the week that was professional wrestling. And then Sunday night, it is the AEW Revolution After Party with your host, Dan Levransky, Joe Aguinaldo. They're going to be recapping AEW Revolution, taking your calls, taking your feedback. And that's going to be a lot of fun ballergear.ca is the place to go for all of the SNME merch and Matt whoo I think I need that was a smoke a good show this. buddy <laughs> good show today you know we got to say we try to keep it within 90 minutes but you know what sometimes you got to stunt out sometimes you got to stretch out the legs and for us it's good to have you and Phil on talking your past I'm in a real talking talkative mood honestly <laughs> like I feel great like whoo whoo yeah Maybe. Uh, so yeah, patrons, if you've made it this far, uh, do not forget, last patron standing, I'm going to send out a Facebook post and an email blast tomorrow or Friday morning. By the time you hear this, you'll actually probably already have that in your book. Uh, and Boris, you know it's all about the Zoom. Zoom, Zoom. Adam Cole, baby. So be sure to participate. We love having you on the after party. That's going to do it for us today, homie. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Thank you for listening, and until next time, cuídate. Goodbye. You know it's all about the Zoom!